Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Until the start of the NFL season, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. We tell you all the time, you know where to find us live now on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit as we get settled here to talk about a Lions football game that was played after a bit of fashion, but that's fine. It's preseason. We can still talk about it. It's fine. It was kind of football. We get a look inside to it. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter or X or whatever the hell they're calling it. I'm still not going to call it X. Joining me, Ryan Matthews, the rock god, the senior editor at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, I usually uh, go to Jeremy first, but Jeremy uh, ditched us. Well, you know what? It's it's out of his control that he's not here, but you know he's yes. out there churning out other content. But we we have a wonderful guest in his place. Speaking of content. This man was live with me while we were doing the preseason live stream for three and a half hours, breaking down every hot and sexy Adrian Martinez play. And that is Miko Scott on Twitter at uh, I've completely misspelled him on the stream, apparently (laughs) at the Miko Scott. Hello, Miko. What's going on, guys? So apparently I did. Apparently I did well enough to get a call back. I appreciate it. Everyone, no, everyone was like, we love Miko. Can we have him back, please? So we had to bump. That's what happened. Jer- uh, Jeremy has been bumped for place of Miko. It happened. He always wanted to hang up the crowd. Miko, of course, check out everything he does on our YouTube, which has just been going off. And we're having so much fun having him on board with a lot of uh, video content. But we're going to r- ride it back and talk exactly about the preseason, which is what we were doing. Uh, on stream on Friday, and we're going to break down what happened there. We're going to give you some bubble watch. We're going to talk about the Jaguars, what to look for in uh, joint practices and the preseason game coming up here. Get even more Teddy talk in later in the show. But we start with breaking down what happened in preseason game one. Obviously, no starters playing at all whatsoever, but the Lions have some rookies who I think are projected or at least fans hope they will become starters and big contributors as the season wears on. Some might be future starters sooner than we anticipate. And they played in this game, Ryan high marks for Jack Campbell coming out of this game, probably the highest of a rookie for in this preseason, in this very young preseason uh, by pro football focus grades. We saw Brian branch steal the show early with one hell of, of laying the boom out. Where do you want to start? Who stood out to you in your mind among the Lions, be it the rookies, the defense, anyone else in this preseason game? 
Yeah, let's start with the guy that you mentioned first. Let's talk about Jack Campbell. I mean, I I don't know if there was a rookie that made quite an impact like him. And as you mentioned, he was the highest graded uh, rookie player, uh, offense or defense, the the highest graded player uh, in in week one of the preseason. And, you know, the the article that I do every week over at Pride of Detroit, I I dig into kind of the the statistics, the the key premium statistics that they that they provide for us over there, pro football focus. And I thought, you know, what what else can I find about Jack Campbell? Because, you know, there's a lot of secret sauce, as as we know, that goes into those grades that they come up with. But one stood out to me and and it's going to be one that will if he can stay on this track. It'll it'll be some statistics that will improve this Lions defense tremendously. And and it was two and one. He had two defensive stops in the run game and he had one pass breakup in coverage. Uh, He was the only player that I could find uh, in week one of the preseason as a linebacker who did that. Uh, and, And if you have a guy in the middle of your defense who is tough against the run and can, as he showed on Friday, go stride for stride and, and mirror running back all the way to the sideline and, and make a pass breakup. That's a guy that the lions have been really missing in the middle of their defense at that second level in quite some time. And, you know, I, I think everybody was wowed with Jack Campbell in, in week one, but he only played 25 snaps too. Like that was the thing that was maybe most impressive is it was just a little taste, you know, and you have to be optimistic and you have to be really hopeful for what's coming in the future for Jack Campbell too. But you know, those two things right there, you know, a couple of, of, of run, run stops, um, you know, eliminating plays in, in that way, you know, the lions love to stop the run and uh, that that's, that's one of their uh, hallmarks of their defense. And Jack Campbell can do that and he can be a, uh, you know, a contributor against the pass. It's going to be a big thing for this defense. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, Jack is someone that I've been very high on going into both like once they've drafted him and going into training camp and especially once they started putting on pads. I thought like when looking at his game, he seems I just again, watching his film from Iowa, he's very instinctual. And so it was one of those things that like I get that he wasn't necessarily popping a ton during like OTAs and and minicamp. But I was always of the belief of like, hey, once you get this kid in pads, he's really going to come to life. And I think you saw it in that preseason game in, in past years, when the lions have tried to find like linebacker success through the draft, you oftentimes see a couple of guys that just looked a little overwhelmed mentally. And that didn't seem to be the case with Jack. He seemed to really understand where he was supposed to be understanding how the game was flowing and didn't overthink too many of the plays that he was a part of. Again, like you said, whether it was getting a run stop or just understanding his assignment to follow the, you know, to to trail the running back on, on, a, on a passing route and just being in phase, maybe not necessarily, you know, making the play on the ball, which is like probably the next step in his development is like, OK, hey, you did X, Y and Z. Well, next time in your when you're in phase like this, you have to look back for the ball. And I think that is enough of you to see of just like, you know what, there's a lot of potential here. You can see why he was one of the guys that, you know, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell sought out early in this draft when it's not very, really conventional to go draft linebackers high. I was impressed by I was impressed by the fact that he named captain early on. I was impressed by the fact that he got the green dot early on. Clearly, they wanted him to get involved with the defense and, you know, keep talking with with Aaron, with Aaron Glenn and everyone else on uh, from from the sidelines to just take command of this defense, which is a lot of what we said he was going to do when he get drafted. I don't think he'll do it right out of the gate. It's still Alex Stanzalone's job to do that, but clearly he, it's what they want him to learn and position him for for the future. Someone though who might move up his way and maybe even steal a starting day one job. I don't think Miko when we watched live we were impressed by anyone quite like the way we watched Brian branch and the reaction we had to Brian branch's play where he just came in like a missile, a missile. And that they got a lot of looks at Brian branch, both in the safety position, slot corner all over the place. They, they really on, on display already is let's see what Brian branch can do all over the defensive backfield. And it looked fantastic in my eyes. Yeah, Brian Branch is the gift that keeps on giving, right? I mean, every opportunity where I'm starting to feel like, okay, maybe this is just hype. Maybe like it'll die down. Maybe he's going to have like this horrible day in camp or he's going to have this, you know, just horrible report come out out of a practice. 
he just continues to stack really good days. And in that preseason game, like in in that game, before even like looking at Brian Branch, and I know we'll probably talk about this a little later in the podcast as well, but like Will Harris was getting kind of torched by Cole Beasley. Like it was, it was not Will Harris's day. And then like the first time he matches up against Brian Branch, yeah, he makes the reception, but Brian Branch makes sure he doesn't go anywhere else. And it was just kind of, that's the theme of Brian Branch is that he's going to be money on the spot. And it wasn't, I mean, very similar to Jack Campbell. It probably wasn't as many snaps as some of us would have loved to seen, but it was enough for me to continue this hype train of like, the kid needs to be a day one starter in my eyes. Like I, I get it. Everything has to be earned for these rookies, but I have a hard time imagining that he isn't a better football player at what he does than what Tracy possibly does at the safety position. Like, and I get it. It's, it's a, it's one game. It's one sample size, but he's also been doing it in practice. And so I don't know, Ryan, like when I looked at this kid, it's just like, I see the star potential. I see someone who probably deserves to be on the field a lot, you know, not sprinkled in here and there. He needs to be available very frequently. Yeah. You know, I think it's been well documented at this point, how it's just hard to keep the kid off the field. Right. And you got to find a way to get him out there. And that play that he made, you know, at the line of scrimmage, that's the kind of stuff that who else in the secondary has been doing that in the past. You know what I mean? Uh, The Lions haven't had a player like that in in quite some time. And, you know, the thing I like again, though, it was just a little taste. He played 16 snaps. Like it was just a little bit of what's to come. Uh, for Brian Branch and it's exciting and it's a great problem to have right it's a great problem to have a plethora of talent like just like at the linebacker position when was the last time we were talking about man they really have like they have a lot of players who can who can get in there and do some stuff I mean uh, you know including Jack Campbell but when it comes to the defensive backs it does kind of seem like Tracy might be the odd man out at this point but then again I think we have to kind of remind ourselves this guy who's coming back from an Achilles injury probably going to take some time you know every player is different right it's it's not a one-size-fits-all injury and recovery we saw what it did to Okuda we've seen how Romeo Cuaro's kind of bounced back from it Tracy might take some time but it's awesome that they have you know a guy like Brian Branch and guys like Kirby Joseph and uh you know that that can kind of you know fill in there and 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 keep the keep the fort held down I want to move on and start highlighting some of the units. And this is going to take a little bit of an emphasis, I believe, on the on the offense. We're talking about some of the standouts from the defense. And I think some of the defense got to play a little bit longer. Um, but Ryan, I'm going to kick the ball right back to you because this is something I think me and Miko talked a lot about on that night. And I think injuries might make some complications, maybe not for this position, but certainly um for another position we'll talk in a second but who really in your mind with Justin Jackson retiring who really stood out among these running backs for RB3 and 4 none of them to me really like it 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 truly does seem like a position that's totally up in the air and and to add to it there's just so many injuries Craig Reynolds right. is injured Mo, Mo Ibrahim he got injured during the game you know, we'll, we'll see if he, he comes back at some time this week, Jamar Jefferson, a guy who, who didn't, who didn't play on Friday. He he's another guy that Dan Campbell is hopeful will be back before the end of this week. And hopefully they can get some time out there, you know, against Jacksonville in these joint practices and, and maybe get him out on the field on Saturday, but it, it's important, right? Like these guys can't be missing time right now due to injury, just because after, after one and two, who's RB three, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Don't. And, and nobody really stood out to me in a way that I said, okay, I think this guy has the leg up. It, it just didn't happen for me uh, for whatever reason, whether it was the offensive line. I, I know much was made about the offensive line and, and kind of the, the underwhelming performance that they had as a unit, but Miko, anybody stand out to you as an RB three? No, not a single person. And I know a lot of people, you know, gravitate to Benny Snell because he's the running back that got like the last bit of snaps. And so therefore it looked a little better, but I'm quick to remind people like you're talking about a veteran and Benny Snell, who's to this point had a respectable career, had a, had a, has had a role in Pittsburgh and executed that role successfully. So he's a player that I expected to shine against third string talent. And given a lot of very simple plays, given the fact that he's probably only been in Detroit for like a couple of days. So 
I know people would like to crown him as like, oh, he can be a real threat for RB3. But Dan Campbell kind of came out today when asked about, you know, the RB3 depth and where he kind of sees that position going. And he's like, hey, somebody has to contribute on special teams. And so when you take that into account, the two guys that probably have the best chance of contributing and really like battling it out for RB3, Ryan, like you said, are hurt in, in Craig Reynolds and Jamar Jefferson. So like everyone else technically takes a backseat to those guys. But at the same time, they are closing that gap because injuries are going to just give these guys more and more opportunities to showcase why they should be in consideration for that final spot. What's the greatest ability, Chris? Availability. That's true, man. That's mm-hmm. very true. And and if, if those guys aren't healthy, Chris, I mean, the other guys are going to close the gap, like Miko said. Yeah. The other position that's really bugging me right now I want to talk some offensive line, but like what's really in my head right now is wide receiver. I'm glad at least we're not doing this thing with Jamison Williams still. I know he's still under a bit of a microscope. I'm going to put him to the side. Maybe we can talk about him during a break or something. I don't think any heat thing he did was very impressive, but Nate Sudfeld did not start this game strong either. And I think Williams himself, like he had some, he had some fine catches as the game wore on. you know, a drop there, whatever. I think the question is more about is anyone standing out as the, I, I don't even know if there's room on this team at this point, Ryan, for us to be having these competitions for a lot of the receiving for the receiving uh, Olympics out here, because I know people today are very excited about, about Maurice Alexander and I'm and especially what he did on special teams and, you know, talking about adding him to the roster as a secondary Khalif Raymond. I know people have turned like I know exactly where people are going with Chase Coda because it's what we did last year with Tom Kennedy and what we've done every year with someone else in the preseason, be it a receiver or Zach Zenner or whoever. But Chase Coda is that dude today because he had 60 yards in a preseason game on four receptions, no matter that he only he got like also seven targets and uh, not all of them came home, but It's a mess out there right now. Antoine Green was even out there. Dylan Drummond. Is there anyone at the wide receiver position? Help me break this down, Ryan, because it feels like it's just a a whole massive pileup of cars and there's room for like nobody here. Yeah, again, I think it's another position, too, where you have a guy like Denzel Mims who's injured right now. And and that's another question mark, right? Like that Mm -hmm. seemed like a guy who fit the profile of the type of receiver they wanted. They wanted a big body X receiver to come in and hopefully, you know, keep things steady while Jameson Williams was out. But with him not on the field, he doesn't get a chance to make an impression. And and like you mentioned, the guys who were on the field on Friday, when Nate Sudfeld finally came around to, to getting things locked in a bit and, you know, Adrian Martinez got his time to shine they started to make an impression, right? And you had Chase Coda who had a nice little game for himself. Uh, Dylan Drummond, I think, is really having a, a big impression on the coaching staff as well as, you know, some of the plays he's been able to make. And obviously, Mo has the punt return for the touchdown, which uh, I think there were 10 defenders for the Giants on the field at that time. So Were there I only 10? I missed that. So that's, so, okay. Well, let, let, me, let me clarify, though. I saw a, a tweet from, from a Giants guy that I follow that showed uh, Brian Dable on the sideline, just furious, just more red than he usually is. Oh yeah. Just <laughs> real red. And uh, supposedly I'd, I'd have to go take another look at the play, but um, you know, the, the, the position that's open though is kicker turner. Right. And right. Mo Alexander nah, had that questionable play where he's like, oh, do I come up and get the ball? Do I not get the ball? It's, it's a kickoff Mo. You need to go get the ball. Cause that, mm-hmm. that, that thing's live. So he didn't have the best showing at the spot that's open, right? And again, kind of like the RV3 spot, a bit of a toss-up because of, like I said, Miko, injury to Denzel Mims. He needs to get back on the field. And, you know, we're going to talk about it here eventually, but maybe some quarterback play that can help the Lions actually make an assessment of the wide receiver position. Yeah, I think it's also worth mentioning Trinity Benson, right? Another wide receiver that could technically be in the mix, but he's also dealing with an injury as well. So you you start getting down deeper into this this pool of wide receivers and you hit gold or you strike something with Chase Coda. I'm not going to necessarily say it's gold, but you struck something with Chase Coda. And at the very least, you have 
another Tom Kennedy that you can probably root for in the, in the preseason. That's probably going to do, you know, a lot of the same things that Tom Kennedy did. He was a friendly receiver for these, you know, backup quarterbacks and put up some nice numbers, but might not quite make the roster because he doesn't do anything else extremely well. Um, I think when you start to look at this crop of receivers, Dylan Drummond probably rises to the top just because like Ryan, like you're saying, he seems to have caught the eye of the coaching staff and they seem to like what he brings from a character standpoint and a work ethic. And they've already started trying him out at the, you know, kick returning, punt returning type of responsibility. So maybe in, in, in the next preseason game, he gets a couple opportunities, but you make a good point. We we look at wide receiver and we're trying to figure out which of these wide receivers could potentially make, you know, a wide receiver five, wide receiver six spot. But the question probably is better to ask, like, which of these guys fits as far as a kick returner? And when you start looking at it from that perspective, the one guy that probably fits that role the best is a guy that Chris was saying that we probably talk about during a break, but it's probably Jamison Williams. And the only issue is that Jamal's not going to be available for those first six weeks. So do you carry another wide receiver? Do you carry a Maurice Alexander just to do kickoffs for six weeks and then cut him so that, so that JMO can take over those responsibilities? Do you let Khalif do it? I, it's, it's a really difficult thing where it's, I feel like that conversation is very much going to be focused on the wide receiver position, but it's not about who plays wide receiver. It's about who plays kick returner. I, I think the only room for me for anyone who wasn't up for kick returning in this game to talk about was probably Antoine Green with the speed and separation he was able to show and using his body to to get that separation on the three, like, you know, three for three on his passes. He's the only one who I could say, like, this is the guy the Lions might take while they're waiting for Jamison Williams to return. And that would make sense because you put him in the practice squad. But uh, as you say, Green's not one of these guys who's going to be doing kick returns. Maybe the coaching staff talks him into doing some kick returns, but right now that's kind of not something in, in the pot. Um, Ryan offensive line. Uh, do we start here? Do, is there anything we can even take away from this right now? I, I think the first thing, right. Is that we have, you like know, depth the is such a problem right now. Sure. Yeah. And you have the injury to, to, to Ross uh, Pierce Baker, which I think that we were all pronouncing as Bacher. Bacher. And maybe it, it looks that... like it's supposed to be Bacher. I'm, I apologize to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. And hey, they bring I mean, in, they, I mean, let's, let's get the yeah. pronunciation guide out a little bit earlier. Lions, yeah. We probably um, should. So that we, um, we don't mess this up. Yeah. They did on Monday, they did sign um, Alex, Alex. Um, yeah. Monday, Alex Millette who was a XFL star once again, reinforcing that these spring leagues are fantastic for getting guys developed. And he's going to be replacing uh, Pierce Baker moving forward, I believe in the depth. Yeah. So the offensive line though, I think, I think as a whole, you know, you, you take a look at it and Matt Nelson has a really rough game, right. Uh, gives up a few pressures. Um, the, the unit, I think as a whole, maybe didn't look the best when it came to, to, you know, opening up running lanes for, for the running backs. Um, but, you know, in general, it, it, it seemed like maybe the only thing that I could kind of glean from it was Jermaine Effetti has maybe moved into, you know, swing tackle lead. I don't know, Miko, do you, do you think that maybe, I mean, was there anything that you could really take away from the game or, I mean, Col- Colby Sorrestal had a pretty good game um, for his first NFL action. I mean, positively, not not a ton, right? I think, again, this was a game where you went in and we had heard Dan Campbell talk about the offensive line depth and he was very blunt and honest and like, hey, no one's really separated themselves from that group. And then I think you went into a preseason game and you saw, yeah, no one's really, nothing looks overly impressive when you start looking at, you know, the second team and the third team. Um, I think Jermaine Effetti, yeah, probably, Afedi and, and Sorosdal probably looked the best. And that's simply because you didn't see a lot of like pass rush pressure come from that side, right? Typically it was the left side, like basically getting collapsed. And, and that's where the quarterbacks kind of had trouble. The right side for the most part held up really well. So I agree with you. I think if there's a, if there's a, you know, gleaming, you know, positive light to take from the offensive line. It's that like, hey, you probably have a little bit of depth, some, you know, some flexibility with your right guard and and your right tackle. But the Lions definitely need to figure out that left side of the offensive line, specifically left tackle. Um, 
because we all know how important that position is. And while Taylor Decker was very healthy all of last year, it, you just never know. And to not have a quality backup, you know, ready to go is, is could really make or break uh, a Jared Goff, you know, type of season. Let's move on here. We're going to take a bit of a break. We'll come back. We'll do roster bobble watch. I was worried a little bit. We were getting into some of our answers for a few guys. We've got our eyes most on on stock up, stock down. Ryan, it's the game we like to play as we pretend we are day traders and we chose uh, better paying jobs in our careers, I believe. I think so. I would like to think so. Yeah, I would like to think so. I think I, I liked you're 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 a gambler. You would be very good as Jordan Belfort. Oh, man, I don't even know if I should take that as a compliment, but I, pro- I probably shouldn't be using it. I meant it as a compliment, but I probably shouldn't be using it as a compliment there. Uh, but speaking of uh, speaking of the hard sell. Speaking of the hard sell and Jordan Belfort, you know, can I get you to buy this pen? Can we get you to buy some jerky for us? How about that? Because what do we have, Brian? We've got all this. We got this truck back here. This is this this fell off. This fell off a truck. This is solid effing gold, and we need you to buy it today because stock is just going to keep going up. You can't miss this right now. You can't miss it right now. But we can make it even sweeter for the people at home, right, Chris? Because it's limited time on the deal we're going to give you. But what are we talking about, Ryan? What the hell could we possibly talk about? We've got your attention right now. You want that sweet, meaty, righteous felon craft jerky. Aged and dry meat, like unlike anything else you can get at a gas station. Righteous felon craft jerky is the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions because they get this stuff at Allen Park. Training facilities, they're stocked with righteous felon. The jerky, the meat sticks, wall to shining wall full of meat, just weights lifting grunting everyone's sweating refreshing with water and meat each two ounce bag of jerky how much protein ryan i only know the meat sticks right now chris okay 16 to 20 grams how much in every meat stick eight grams chris that's right so if it's good enough for the lions it's good enough for you too that's right you can get and be by the way these are unique jerky flavors we're not talking about just teriyaki if you want teriyaki they got teriyaki that's fine that's fine we all like some teriyaki in our lives but korean barbecue old day seasoning we got the biltong which is like air dried south african jerky with like the uh darth garlic and the man mandilla the maryland monroe maryland monroe you know the crab spice from maryland hence the name truffalo bill Unique flavors, man. Jalapenos in there, too, if you want the standby. It's cool. But what about that deal? What about that deal? Chris, they're getting a big chunk off the top. It's P-O-D. 20, right? 20. 20. And it's only good until the start of the NFL season. So tick, tick, effing tick. It's going to be 15% after that, but don't worry. But you should do 20% right now because five more percent or change in your drawers. Pride of Detroit, POD, uh, use POD20 at checkout at righteousfelon.com. That's 20% off your order right now. This, this one is getting chopped and sent to the people over there, and I hope they appreciate it. Righteousfelon.com, POD20. Help out the podcast. Buy some meat gifts. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Still breaking down what we saw from preseason game one of the Detroit Lions here with myself, Chris Perfett, Miko Scott, and Ryan Matthews. Let's talk about some bubble watch action. We always like the bubble watch. I usually don't write my bubble watch predictions, usually because I'm not, uh, I don't, I feel a bit of dread in my gut looking through this and feeling who I want to get rid of, but it's a bit of bubble watch. It's a bit of stock up, stock down. We always like to play these sort of things. 
Ryan, we're going to talk about who had who's improved their spot the most and who has really hurt their spot the most. So where are you going when I say the lion who played against the Giants in Ford Field, more pack than I've ever seen Ford Field, by the way, uh, that impressed you the most, that improved his position the most and maybe got inside the bubble, whatever it might be, is blank. I think maybe the answer to that question for me, I wish it was a different rookie. I wish it would have been Sam Laporta. Like, I wish it would have been Jameer Gibbs, right? Like, I know that obviously they're going to have big roles, but I wish they would have just had that, you know, spicy highlight or that really good play or even just that really good game. Super excited for those guys regardless, right? Um, But you have the guys on the defensive side of the ball and Brian Branch and Jack Campbell. Kind of hard for me to pick between one of those two guys. I'm going to go with a guy that I've been riding for for a little while, though. I've been high on him since the Lions drafted him last year in the fifth round. James Mitchell had himself a day. And as soon as the Lions drafted Sam Laporta, there were some people who obviously put him in the tight end one conversation where he belongs. And and he did a really good job in, in pass pro, um, had, had some good opportunities in, in pass protection that he capitalized on. But when he was drafted, a lot of people just kind of assumed, well, Brock Wright was such a big fixture in the Lions offense, you know, last year, he'll be tight end too next year. He's, he's dependable as a blocker and, you know, he can be schemed open and he has solid hands, reliable. He can make a catch or two. James Mitchell was awesome on, on Friday night and remind, remind you guys, this was a guy who was coming off an ACL when he was a rookie in the NFL. He's rehabbing. He's not training. I think what really popped to me, Miko, was seeing him get those opportunities to make the catch and run after that catch. He he had a he had a couple catches last year that again schemed open well by Ben Johnson, catches the pass and starts moving. He looked a little bit more athletic on Friday night. He just looked like he had a little bit more stride, looked like he had a little bit more of that athleticism that we were counting on him uh coming out of Virginia Tech. I think the guy had an opportunity to train and this might be the guy who ends up as your tight end too, in in my opinion. Yeah. The lions definitely with the performance of James, that James Mitchell put together on Friday can give you that feeling that like, maybe they don't just have a two headed monster at running back. Maybe they have a two headed monster at tight end where you have two guys that can literally line up anywhere on the field. We know that Sam Laporta can line up in line. We know he can flex out wide. James Mitchell has that same flexibility, not to mention you can put him in the backfield if you wanted to have him like line up as a fullback as well. So his ability to to kind of showcase that versatility is something where I, I can definitely see why you would have him in, in, in your trending up. I'm going to go to someone we talked about in the first segment and, and kind of, you know, as a callback. And I'm going to go with Jermaine Effetti. And again, it's because when we look at what makes this offense work, what makes it run. In my mind, and this might, you know, piss a couple people off, but it's just the truth of it, in my opinion. It goes the offensive line, Ben Johnson, and then Jared Goff. And so having solid O-line depth outside of just who you have starting is very, very important because we know how these pileups can happen, whether it's in the run game. We know how guys can get bit over backwards and in a pass rush situation. Having someone that can, you know, play that swing tackle spot or potentially come in if Decker or Sewell needs to, to miss a game or two is going to be very, very important for this offense. And so in a group that is looking for someone to at least kind of separate themselves, I think Jermaine Effetti at least did a solid job of keeping his name near the top of that list. And with the poor performance of a Matt Nelson, possibly even jumping over him as someone that the Lions may trust in those high pressure situations. Yeah, I think I, I wanted to address on both. First off, to, to Ryan's uh, candidate there, Looking at Mitchell, I don't think I was really. I think a lot of people left last year impressed with what Brock Wright did stepping in, and I don't think they were expecting James Mitchell to really come in here. But I think James Mitchell does have a chance to really prove that he's just as good as Brock Wright, if not better. And I don't know how much the Lions. I don't think the Lions do a lot of two tight end sets, but if Mitchell does work out for you. Oh, they will. 
They'll, they will. They'll, the, they'll, the ceiling run a the lot ceiling, of 12 personnel. Yeah. 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 They'll, they'll, they'll go to two tight end sets, but at the very least Mitchell at least gives you an alternative to Brock, Wright. I think they carry all three, obviously, but I think the competition at T2 is just basically opened. And yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And then on the offensive line, I think if Fetty also stands out just because nobody else has really stood out of the depth tackles, right? Like I, I watched a lot of Eze that in that game and I didn't see too much where I was like, okay, I really like what Eze's doing. And I don't remember much from Swoboda either if he did play, but yeah, if Fetty, if Fetty at least stood out in that, like, okay, I see him out there and he's doing a good job for myself, for the guy I want to throw out there. I almost got tripped up talking into some edge rushing when we were talking about the defensive players, but he's someone who I, I have to eat my crow almost, almost immediately in that. I was worried that neither that he was going to have a chance to make the roster, but Julian Okwara showed, you know, later in the game, obviously. So, but still even playing with some depth showed that he still has some disruptive force out there. Now, granted he was taking a lot of those snaps later in the game, but I think Julian is once again back in consideration for me for, let's face it, a a very crowded defensive end room right now. But I think you can maybe look at him as an option there. John Kaminsky played fantastically well, still all the same too. But if you're looking at someone, like I, I, I think Hutchinson, Kaminsky, Pascal, I like those three. I like Harris. You take a fifth. I say Aquara's there. Julian. Or Romeo. He had a great Romeo. game too. I don't like this. Yeah. Is, this is hard, man. It's hard. Yeah. Well, I, I think specifically, Chris, with that rush end spot or that Sam linebacker um, that they're putting Julian into that role with James Houston. And then the guy at the top of that depth chart is, is Charles Harris, like you said. So you, you have so many guys there and it almost feels like one of those situations where the lions talent floor has improved so much that we're going to see some talented players potentially leave this roster um, and, and not make the 53. Julian's just one of those guys that he needs to keep stacking days. Like this week is going to be so important for Julian O'Quara. Uh, You know, Dan Campbell had a quote a week ago where he was talking about Julian and said, he's a flash player. You know, he does something really impressive and then it just kind of reverts back at times, you know, so he he knows that those flash plays can happen. And like you said, Chris, I mean, granted, it did happen um, third, fourth quarter. You're talking about some some of the plays he made late in the game. It's just a matter of him doing that again for a week, you know, and then doing it for a third week. It's one of those things where it, it almost feels consistency. unfair. Consistency. Right? You need consistency out of him. Yeah, uh, in the PFF article that I wrote today, he had the highest pass rushing productivity grade uh, amongst any defender in the the NFL in week one of the preseason. Um, Just insane efficiency and productivity. And it's like, you need to do that next week and you need to do that the week after to stick on this 53-man roster, Miko. Like, it it feels like a tall order and a tall task to put the the kid up to, but he's got to do it. And and if I can add something in there too, I don't think I feel like Lions fans are getting a little defensive when it comes to James Houston. I was just about to say I, that. I, I feel <laughs> like they've overhyped James Houston, who we've always talked about. He just comes in and pass rushing packages. But at the same time, when you start to give love to one of the other depth pieces that they have for edge, suddenly it's I don't know. I, I wasn't too blown away by James Houston in this game, and they still struggle to figure out what James Houston can do on other downs that aren't pass rushing. And to be an edge in this league, you need to do more than just pass rush. You need to run. You need to be up there in the run defense as well, Miko. And it is. And I think that's the thing where Julian kind of keeps himself in consideration. This Friday, this past Friday, he showcased that he can pass rush just as well as James Houston can. I mean, him, it's it's one thing to get three sacks, right? Like we've seen Aiden get three sacks, but it can look drastically different in any given game. And the way in which Julian was getting there, yes, against lesser talent was effortless. He was getting there with speed. He was getting there with bend. He was getting there with great hand placement. And so when Dan Campbell's talking about the flashes, 
that's what he's referencing. He's referencing a player that when he puts all of the things that they're teaching him to use, he can make getting to the quarterback look very easy. But at the same time, he can still show up and be a solid run defender. I remember when they played the Bears last year and Julian was a big part in keeping Justin Fields kind of like in the pocket on certain plays because he has that athleticism and that length that you're looking for in an edge, you know, edge defender. People are going to like it when we talk about like, hey, this becomes a more of a competition between him and James Houston. But it does. And it's and if Julian's going to play like this, it's going to be more of a of, of a conversation as we get closer to the regular season. And I know people are going to be like, but but James had eight sacks. That's great. But what have you done for me lately? Yeah, it's is really going to be the argument there. I really wish we had Jeremy here today because I know Jeremy in his roster prediction, Ryan, also said the same thing Miko's saying that Julian and James Houston are now in a roster spot, are, are in a roster battle that has yet to be settled. Yeah, personally, I, I think James Houston still has the inside edge. And I, I think that you have a guy who last year did it, you know, over the course of, you know, just a couple months, but still did it in big time NFL games. And we can talk about run defense until, until we're red in the face. And I agree with you guys. It's a super important aspect of this defense. And, and they're going to preach that until this regime is is no longer in charge. Defending the run is a huge, huge piece of the puzzle, but pass rush is money, right? Like those are the guys that get the bag. Those are the guys who they they're invaluable, right? So James Houston just has that leg up because he, you know, didn't he hasn't dealt with injuries like Julian has, right? Julian mm-hmm. has again the greatest ability is availability, and Julian's health has been a question mark since he's come into the league. With James, it was just such a ridiculous amount of efficiency and productivity that it was a perfect storm, right, of everybody to get swept up in. This team still wants more from him, though. And the question is going to be, can they get more from him? Can he performances drop? Yeah. Can he be a guy who plays on more than just third down? Trust me, for for my roster prediction and for my money, I'm putting the guy who can pin his ears back and get after the quarterback on third down. I'm putting him ahead of the guy who is a question mark if he can be available on Sunday. And I think to that point, though, I think the thing that makes James Houston, for me, the same in the very same vein as you're talking about, right? He's still the person that I would have winning that battle right now, because what he does best, he does more consistently than Julian does. But the question more so starts to form into this. Is he going to get the opportunities that he got last year? Like Dan Campbell kind of referenced that as well, that like, hey, one of the reasons James got those opportunities, they were banged up on the defensive line. They didn't have Charles Harris. Romeo was still coming on. I think Julian was missing a couple games around that time. Well, if Charles Harris is healthy, Romeo's, if they decide to keep Romeo or Julian, how many of these opportunities is James actually going to get? Like you said, they still have Pascal. They still have Kaminsky. Is he going to be the first ticket that they pull when they're looking at like, hey, we want to have somebody out there to rush the passer on third down? Let's move on to players, I think, who disappointed us. Uh, I, I don't want to add Sam Laporta on this list at all. I don't think he had a great game, though, Ryan. I think we talked enough about him when we were talking about tight ends. But uh, I want to go to you, Ryan, again, to start like, where are we? Who has hurt their spot the most on this roster in your mind? It's unfortunate to say, and I hate to pile on the guy for sure, because there were a ton of mitigating factors, right? The offensive line and pass. And I'll get looked, to one of those problems. Yes. <laughs> right. Looked looked a bit shaky. So wasn't exactly doing himself any favors. And le- there were some legitimate drops, right? And maybe we'll get around to JMO sometime in this podcast because everybody wants us to talk about that. Um, there were drops, but Nate Sudfeld, the poor guy, it seems like. As soon as Teddy Bridgewater gets signed, it's curtains for the guy. And for a guy who only had 37 passing attempts in his NFL regular season career, he looked like a guy who had only 37 passing attempts in his NFL regular season career. I mean, the the throws were either sailing or the throw that bothered me the most, guys, was the ball that I believe it was Drummond. Um, it was either Drummond or Green in the corner of the end zone. 
that pass yeah. has to go to the boundary. It has to go to the sideline. You cannot throw that ball short because the frustration that happened there, I think happened so many other points of the game. The receivers were getting some separation. They just needed to get the passes put on them. They needed, in that case, they needed the pass to be thrown to a spot. And, and you know, Nate just throws it in a spot where it can easily be defended. You need to throw that ball where the receiver is going to be open. And it, again, just a, an example of a really poor throw, right? And, you know, Dan Campbell talked a little bit about the, the pass that went over the middle uh, where JMO kind of, not even on JMO in, in my mind, because I think as a wide receiver, you don't want to put hands on that ball because if you don't get it, it goes up and then it's an even easier interception. You know what I mean? And he was just blanketed in coverage and he tries to fit it in that tight window and interception, right? It, it was the decision-making. It was the ball placement Poor Nate Sudfeld. I think, you know, in the matter of a week played himself off the, the football team. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I it's rough, right? Like clearly he's not going to be the development guy and he's not going to be QB too. So yeah, Miko, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like it's, I think it's bad for him and like Adrian Martinez isn't exactly in a spot to, for anything either. Like we just saw two quarterbacks yesterday who are just not part of the long-term plans of this team period. No, I mean, I guess one positive thing that I'll at least, you know, throw Nate a, a bone on. It, w- it wasn't David Blau or Tim Boyle. Like it was, it wasn't nearly that bad, but it was bad. There was, like you said, there were offensive line issues that definitely, you know, had him rush a couple throws, but his biggest issue throughout that game for the most part were a lot of his deep shots. And he just didn't have the timing. He didn't have the accuracy on those throws, whether it was to Jamo, whether it was, you that know, Chase one Coda, whether over was- the middle, that one over the middle, we watched. I don't know where that was going. I don't know where he thought he could force that in. It was I don't know who so he thought advice. he was. I don't know who he thought he was that he thought he could fit that pass between those two because there are there's two defenders. There's one on Jamo's back but and there's the who, there's the linebacker. I think that jumped and it was just like that's you don't make that throw. But I just I kept watching the play and I just kept thinking who was the intended receiver on that throw. Yeah, and I think the most egregious one is the one that Ryan pointed out, and it was one that I kind of harped on during the stream, which is the the touchdown pass to Dylan Drummond, where it's like. You as a, as an NFL quarterback, if you're expecting to be a backup, these are supposed to be the money downs. These are supposed to be like layups. And when your wide receiver wins in the route, you have to do your part and leading him to where he's supposed to be on the field so that he can make that catch. And to Nate's credit, he fixes that with the two point conversion to Jamo. Like you can see how that route is supposed to be thrown in the route that Jamal runs, even though it's a different type of route, you're supposed to throw it away so that the receiver can use his body. So yeah, Nate is someone that just didn't do like imbue a lot of confidence, you know, as far as someone who can win that, that QB two spot going forward. This kind of reiterates again, why they got, and I know he's done well in practice. Maybe he rebounds later in the preseason, but just reiterates again, why the lions got Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about mine and then we'll get Miko's in here uh, since we're still on the topic of offense. And I mean, we, we brought up that first interception, not totally beyond Nate on Nate Sudfeld. The other one in my mind who did the worst, it was the other man partially responsible for that interception. And that was Matt Nelson. I know Matt Nelson has been fairly well maligned uh, by Lions fans, I still believed he had a spot on the roster, just given how familiar he's been here with everything. And also in the fact that outside of Jermaine Effetti, I don't think anyone's really stepped up in tackle depth to really speak of it. But Nelson spent a lot of that for like he settled down later in the game, but he spent a lot of that early game getting manhandled by by better defenders who were still in the game at that point. And I know he settled down, but those kind of mistakes early on or at any point, if you're asked a spot to come in is going to be in an, in an actual NFL situation is going to go even worse for you. I think the lions are really struggling with their tackle depth outside of their, their starting tackles right now. And unfortunately I just don't know where you go right now because maybe it is just you, it's a Fetty and maybe you ask Sorsdol to play, to play tackle more Ryan, but I don't think, Nelson is in my bubble right now. 
Yeah. I, the name that you brought up that I think is interesting to me and has been since draft day is, is Sorsdal. And I know that they want to get him and they're, they're repping him at guard and they see that as a natural transition for him moving from tackle to guard because of his, his size. I wonder if he he'll just end up being the, the ICE guy, you know, the, in case of emergency, we'll, we'll break this case and we'll get Sorsdal out at tackle. There still needs to be that guy though, ahead of him. Right. It seems like it's a Fetty. It, it seems like it's a Fetty at this point, and I, I, I just it, it's going to be important. Like that tackle depth is so important. Again, like we're moving the field goal post for this roster, right? Like, you know, think about where we were two years ago, where it's like, can we get a wide receiver on the football field that can create separation and and make a play or something like that? And now two years later, we're talking about who's OT three. This is super important. But it is for a team that has the aspirations it does, Chris. I, they, they need a guy who they can count on to be reliable. Hopefully, a Fetty, because I, I think when we talked, you know, earlier about how a Fetty maybe improved his stock, it it wasn't so much what a Fetty was doing. It was more so, to your point, Chris, the performance that Matt Nelson was having, right? And 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 the guys that are taking steps back, and by just the fact of a Fetty not having bad plays or, or bad tape, so to speak, he takes a step forward. So who knows if that's a good spot to be in, but it, it, it's something to legitimately keep an eye on for these next two weeks. Who's your guy, Miko? Yeah. So my guy is a guy that's unfortunately on this list because he wasn't available. So to Ryan's point, the best ability being availability, Jamar Jefferson hasn't been available and with a running back room and for that RB three race to be wide open, especially with Justin Jackson retiring, Jamar Jefferson could find himself on the outside looking in as a guy who's been with this team for a while now. And I find, I, I feel like he's in a similar situation as Julian O'Quara when Dan Campbell talked about him where it's like, Hey, he's been here a while. We've been trying to coach him up. He has to make the leap. And Jamar Jefferson can't make that leap if he's not on the field. I think if he were on the field on Friday, I think he could have made a good impression in in comparison to some of the other backs that were playing. But his inability to get on the field has him creeping closer like outside the bubble for me, simply because like I feel like if the Lions had to make a decision and if they just felt like, well, hey, Craig Reynolds could will be healthy enough eventually, they might just go with Craig just because they know what they have. Jamar Jefferson needs to be on the field to prove that he's the better option, because I feel like throughout camp, he's proven, especially in in an area where Dan Campbell is prioritizing, like special teams. Jamar Jefferson has showed up. He's been one of the better players there, but you got to do it in these preseason games. It's I don't think it's going to be enough for him to just do it in camp. Yeah, and I think that looking at the way the other running backs played, Ryan, uh, no one really stood out in this game. Benny Snell averaged 3.8, but we talked before about Benny Snell is doing this very late in the game and soaking a lot, but a lot of time. Divina Zigbo was kind of that way as well. Ibrahim did not play very, uh, didn't really wow us with anything out there. And Jameer Gibbs is not really part of this, this conversation. So uh, yeah, I, I agree that, you know, we're going in on this idea that Craig Reynolds is once again, the incumbents, the RB three position and Jamar Jefferson, not putting tape out there is just kind of hurting himself by, by inertia. Yeah. It, the, I think the special teams aspect is really important too, right? Cause he could be your kick returner. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get him as your kick returner and he could be RB three and you solve that riddle right there with a guy who can, you know, pull double duty. And that that would be the the leg up. But, you know, to Miko's point, if, if you're not healthy and if you're not out there, they 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 can't keep you. Right. And and I think that this coaching staff, what they'll do is if they don't find the right guy this week, you might see some new running backs in here, uh, you know, come come that final week of the preseason, because they don't want to be stuck in a situation where, you know, for whatever reason, either Montgomery or Gibbs, they deal with injuries. The, the RB3 is, an, again, again, I'm talking about how the floor of this roster has improved and we're making maybe big, big deals, you know, uh, mountains on the molehills when it comes to who's OT3, who's RB3. These are important questions to be answered for a team that's contending. So 
don't be surprised if, if nobody impresses in the second week, if guys can't get healthy, if, if Ibrahim can't get healthy, if Snell can't distance himself from the pack, if Jamar can't get healthy, you'll see some new guys in that final week of the preseason. I agree. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll move on to Jaguars, talk a little bit about what Teddy changes with things and touch upon Jamison Williams. I think we've not kicked around this uh, this can enough on that podcast on this podcast, but I think Teddy will help change some things in that regard and get you ready for preseason game two. We'll be right back in the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast. This is where we start looking ahead to preseason game number two. I'd like to say we're entering the the end of the first half of preseason, but really it's kind of crossing that threshold because it's just three. Uh, Jaguars joint practices are incoming, so Lions will get to have joint practices with another team. And I think, Ryan, the big difference when we get to the preseason game itself though is going to be that we might get to see teddy bridgewater which considering we one of our handouts for hurt his spot the most on the roster from game one was nate sudfeld i think you know teddy bridgewater is going to open up what they can show you in a preseason game and get better better passes out there to guys like jameson williams and jameer gibbs so the rookies can can learn a little bit better on the fly, getting ready for the NFL. Yeah. Again, a really tough situation because Nate Sudfeld just got put into the situation, right? Like he had somebody come in who is a veteran guy, has been in the league for 10 years, has overcome so much in his career, right, Chris? I mean, the guy almost died in Minnesota and -hmm. he was coming off a Pro Bowl year and there was a lot of hope for him and still comes back to football. And you have a guy who makes a difference on the days that aren't Sunday, but you also have a guy who can make a difference on Sunday. If for whatever reason, Jared Goff is out. And again, Miko, I think the biggest benefactor of, of Teddy Bridgewater coming to Detroit and, and rocking that number 50 Jersey while he waits for a single digit to come his way. I, I think the guys who are the biggest benefactors are the chase Codas, the Dylan Drummonds, the Maurice Alexanders of the world who the Trinity Benson's right. That, that are going to get a, a fair shot because they're going to have a, a reliable quarterback who's, who's thrown the ball uh, much better than, than Nate Sudfeld could. I mean, and I mean, let's not dance around it. Jamison Williams is probably going to benefit the most. And at the time of this recording, like we, we haven't all heard like the full interview of, of Teddy Bridgewater, but the little bit that I heard in the, in the quotes that I've read, it almost feels like Teddy's coming in and making it his like personal responsibility to get JMO like right. And and I put, I'll say right in quotes, right. To get him to a point of really like realizing his full potential. Um, and that is something. So Ryan, you talked about this in the last segment. I was like a couple of people that probably like weren't really enthused about this move. I was one of those people because it was just like, while I expected and I was perfectly fine with Teddy bringing this next level of leadership and accountability to like the next tier of guys, I just didn't know like who would necessarily benefit from that. And Teddy's kind of come out on day one and been like, no, JMO's my guy. And he didn't just talk about it. He actually did it on the field where after the Lions had practice today, who's on the field practicing and like still getting some reps in together, Teddy and JMO. And that's stuff that, you know, not saying that golf wouldn't do, but he can't do at this point. Like he has other things that are going to be on his mind. He has other responsibilities. And so for Teddy to basically make that his responsibility and say like, no, I'm going to get this guy, right. I'm going to work on his timing. I'm going to work on this and have a veteran guy who probably again, trying not to dance around too much, maybe just speaks a, a, a different language that JMO gets a little bit better. I think that's really who's going to benefit the most from having Teddy Bridgewater around, you know, going into these joint practices and the second preseason game. Yeah, I think that um, just the impact can't really be stated enough. And obviously we just need to wait for him to take the field and everything. Looking at joint practices themselves, though, 
who is the guy I think, Brian, you want to see more out of? Uh, I mean, I think in my mind, like Jamison Williams, an easy answer here. I would say that it's I'd like to see Sam Laporta getting more involved again. Uh, obviously didn't have a great showing in the first preseason game. I think uh, there's some time for him. The tight end position, though, is flexible, flexible enough that he doesn't need to be like great out of the gate. But I think you have put a lot of stock into him for what he can do for you. And I think, you know, I, I think he's the one I want to see the coaches working with the most as we get closer to the season, just because, you know, Ben Johnson was a tight ends coach. If, if we're going by a lot of the rumors, the lions hope that if Ben Johnson leaves the tight ends coach, there becomes the next offensive coordinator that like, th- but this is a tight ends driven offense. It doesn't mean the tight ends are the, are the focus, but is being run by a lot of guys who either played tight end or understand the tight end position. And I feel like when you draft a guy like Sam Laporta, you should be able to spend some more time to get him ready for the NFL. Yeah. Laporta is a, he's a very important piece to the puzzle this year. You know, him and Gibbs were drafted as high as they were because they're expected to be contributors on day one. So you, you want to see some more out of Sam Laporta this week. I'm, I'm on board with you for me personally, I want to cheat and throw out two names. So sorry, Miko, you're going last, but one is Julian Aquara. We already, we just talked about him. And I think he's a guy who, again, he has to stack, not another good practice, not another, you know, good quarter and a half of tape when the lions play the Jaguars, it needs to be like an everyday thing with that guy. And, you know, you you need to see him take steps in the right direction over the course of this next week against Jacksonville. My other guy, we haven't talked about him at all. Levi owns had himself a nice little game on Friday in a limited showing. I, I, he barely played, I think over double digit snaps, but that's a guy that I want to see on the field, you know, making his case, stamping his ticket to the 53 man roster along the interior of that defensive line. If he can have another standout performance, I think he was the highest graded player behind Jack Campbell um, for the, for the lions, according to PFF. But if Levi is pressuring the quarterback, like he did on Friday, if, if he's doing it on Saturday against the Jaguars, all of a sudden the lions might, they might have some things going in their direction with, with those players. No, that's a good call out, Ryan. Like Levi is someone that we, like you said, we didn't get to talk about, but he's just as deserving as being like kind of shouted out for having a really good performance. Even if we're not even talking about the fact of him coming back from that injury, just the actual performance he put on display in that preseason game was just something to like kind of really acknowledge considering, you know, we haven't gotten to see a lot of him play. But if there's one player that like I'm looking at as far as like, hey, like, let's see how you're going to respond going into this next, you know, set of joint practices and preseason game, it's actually James Houston. Like Julian gave you his best shot. He went out there and let it all hang out. And he's in a good position to like double down on that. Like he doesn't have to go out and Julian doesn't have to go out and get another three sack performance. If Julian goes out there and has just like another sack and like plays against the run really well, I can see how this like whole camp battle could start to shift in his favor. So if you're James Houston, you need to showcase that you can do more than just rush the passer. You have to show the ability to get out there and defend against the run. And yeah, at the same time, when you get your opportunities to rush the passer, stay on your feet. Don't don't eat grass or eat turf in those situations because you never know if you might get ganked from that from that series. And the guy that comes in behind you might do the thing that you were trying to do. So James is, has a big week coming up for him just to keep this battle alive and honestly to keep it in his favor. I think the other battle that needs to be stated, and again, we talked about this on the last segment too, so we're going to just keep going back to it, but I need to see more offensive linemen stand out in this depth at this point. Um, I, I, I'll have two things here. I'll say that I need to see more offensive linemen stand out this depth. I'm, kind of running out of time to see someone who can push Matt Nelson. And I'm not sure that this, the future of playing Sorsdal is going to be at tackle. You really hope it's going to be someone like Eze or another great performance out of a So there needs to be some, 
some improvements there. And the other one I'm going to throw in there, and the other one I really want to see is I thought Broderick Martin played well in his first outing. But I feel with the questions around where he was drafted and like how like we've we've seen a lot of hype around Martin Ryan, but I don't think one game is going to convince me that Martin is is uh, all that yet. But if he puts a second game together and that sizzle starts to uh, starting to make some fajitas now. Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to the the point I was making about Levi is that. You had another guy who, you know, splashed Benito Jones. He had a sack and you all of a sudden have a, a camp battle there yourself with the interior defensive line. Not saying that Broderick Martin isn't going to make the roster. That's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah, he's making the roster. It's just a matter of where in that depth. Right. Yeah. I mean, do, do they do they decide that they they go another route and they they keep Levi and they keep Benito and and, and you know, they they don't keep somebody at another position because they want that interior defensive line depth. I I, I can't see them bringing all these players. So I guess that comes back to my earlier point of there's just going to be some players that are in, going to end up being cut that are, they were good enough to make the roster in past years for the Detroit lions, but this year it's just, it's a different roster. It, the, the talent's been elevated and you're going to have to win that job. And Broderick Martin, not at a, uh, not at a crossroads, doesn't have to worry about uh, not making the roster, but, Hey, Levi owns Enrique. You you play big. You you can prove that you you can be an A plus run defender or something like that. This this coaching staff is going to have no qualms about playing you over Broderick Martin. I mean, I, and I agree with you, Ryan. I think at the end of the day, though, it's with some of these camp battles like you're talking about. This is just a good problem for the Lions to have in general. If you're Great talking problem. about right, because at this point in time we're talking about just snap counts, right? Like Broderick's going to play. It's just a matter of like, okay, can you continue to, to progress and develop throughout camp and, and preseason for right. us to play you a lot, you yep. know, to play you on third down situations, because we know like based on how they felt about Isaiah Bugs and the snaps he played, Broderick's going to play. He's going to get those reps in, but Levi starts to come in there as a, as a, third down option and now you start looking at your third down packages probably probably a lot differently and you know where do you fit in a Broderick Martin where do you fit in a Josh Pascal where do you fit in a John Kaminsky this just becomes like I said it sounds like a problem but it's it should be like something that Aaron Glenn should be just like you know rubbing his hands together about because it's like yo I'm going to be able to be very creative with my defensive fronts We'll see if any of that creativity is on on scale for Jaguars in the preseason game. We're going to get on out of here, though. Uh, let's get everyone settled in. Ryan is at Ryan underscore P.O.D. Miko at the Miko Scott. Uh, thanks. Thanks, by the way, Miko. I know you usually do your own streams here on Mondays. So we're kind of pulling you in for our Twitch for, for the show. No, man, I appreciate it. This was this was fun. And like I said, it's it's a good vote of confidence for my ability to to not embarrass you guys. <laughs> Actually, he's just basically paying me off so he can make more YouTube. He can do less work on YouTube by like cutting himself from the podcast for his hits. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on, Ryan. Miko's awesome. Thanks for coming Miko's in on fantastic. short notice too. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Always, always nah. got to replace the fearless leader with some new fear. I am of course at Chris Perfett on Twitter. And as always, We'll see you star side.